Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Redeeming Hope. We exist as a family of faith that follows Jesus and helps others find him by living all of life as missionaries of hope. If you want more information about our church or would like to support our ministry, go to our website at redeeminghope.org. Please enjoy this sermon podcast. So we are wrapping up Titus today, the book of Titus. We've been in this series for a number of weeks. We've explored kind of in depth this kind of what we are calling like a jelly bean, right? It's like a really flavored jelly bean, a high flavored jelly bean. It's small, it's compact, but it packs a lot of punch talking about the gospel. And we are getting to Paul's closing exhortations and his final thoughts. So this is not corrective necessarily, but it's instructive and his goal is to be encouraging. So let's read Titus 3, the last few verses, starting at verse 12. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to send Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. My friends, it is so important for us as we read the Bible to recognize that these are real people. These are real people in the story. This isn't distant but personal. This is real. This is emotive. This is Paul caring for his friend Titus, caring for his friends in Crete, and helping him kind of navigate through the next few months. So he's literally writing this as kind of a practical letter, and at the end of it, he's giving him very practical pieces of advice. These are partners in ministry. They're helping one another. They're collaborating together. And we see that with Paul's final instructions. I just think this adds so much humanity. It adds so much reality to the text as we study it. So we're going to talk about three quick points today. First, calling to join God's mission. Next, we're going to talk about joining God's mission in sending, going, and supporting. And finally, we're going to talk about how fruitfulness abounds on mission. So first, called to join God's mission. Now we're actually going to get out of Titus for this first point because Paul is writing within a set context. He is operating off an assumption that the people of Crete and Titus and you and me reading this understand that we are called to be on mission with Jesus, that we're actually called to be joining God's mission for the world. And so I'm going to pull us out and jump us into John for just the first point here. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And some of the people that were hanging out with Paul were there the night that this happened. Paul was not there. He was actually going studying the Jewish law, and then he would persecute the church for many years before he became a Christian. But there are people that Paul knew that were there on this fateful day after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples and he said, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. 
Now, Jesus is saying that there is a new commission that he's giving his disciples. He's giving them a great commission to go out into the world, to make disciples, to share the gospel, to baptize people, and to teach people to obey. We see this in Matthew 28, but the genesis of that actually is on the day that he resurrected. The first words he says to his disciples that he gives them peace, and he says, I'm sending you as I have been sent. So in the nature of Jesus' sentness, we are sent. So we have to look at how Jesus was sent in order for us to understand how we are sent. Now we've preached many sermons on this, so I'm just going to give a brief overview. If you want to go back, you can look in January of 2021 where we've talked about this and at the beginning of every year, we talk about how we are sent to help others find Jesus. And that's this idea of being on mission. But very briefly, This is how Jesus was sent. He was sent personally. This means that Jesus came as a real human being. And my friends, we are called to be real, to be human, to be with others in person, in the flesh, face to face. This means that we're not going to connect with our World of Warcraft friends from across the world and count that as mission. This means that we've got to be with people where they are. Jesus was personal. He shared his life with others. And you and I are called to share our life with others so that they might be able to see the the work of Jesus within us and then be drawn to that and be changed by Jesus because of you and I's actions on mission. But then we're not only just called to be sent personally like Jesus was sent, but Jesus was sent incarnationally to the word incarnation. Incarnate means to embody in human form. Jesus embodied the fullness of God himself in human form. We looked at that in Colossians 1. It says, in Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He is embodying all of who God is in human form. That's the word incarnation. And my friends, you and I are called to incarnate the good news of Jesus. That means that we are to embody it, that we are to make it so much a part of us, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, God's grace, that we are supposed to receive that grace and then reflect that grace to others. This means that we have to put ourselves in a posture of receiving grace. We're going to talk about that at our final point about abiding with Christ produces fruitfulness and faithfulness in ministry. But my friends, we have to embody the gospel to the people around us. Jesus had to be with people in order to do that. And you and I have to be with people, and especially with people that don't believe what we believe. This is what it means to incarnate the gospel. Next, we see that Jesus was God-centric. Every single thing that Jesus did was centered around his Father. He even says in John 5, he says, I don't do anything of my own accord, but I only do that which the Father tells me to do. And he says, for whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Jesus centered his life on doing the commandments of his Father. My friends, you and I are called to live the same. This is how we engage with God on mission, is that we do not consider our lives our own, but they are God's, and we make Jesus the center of our life. My friends, our spouse is not the center of our life. Your kids are not the center of your life. Your work is not the center of your life. Your personal preferences, your personal comfort is not the center of your life. Jesus is the center of your life as the Father was the center of Jesus' life. Jesus must be the center of our lives. Our lives must be God-centric. We wrap our lives 
around Jesus. This will reflect in our checkbooks, this will reflect in our calendars, and this will reflect in our living rooms. Who comes into your living room? How do you spend your time? And how do you spend your money? And if you want to know who your real God is that you are worshiping, you look at those three things. But my friends, I want us to center, like Jesus was sent on mission. So that means that you and I are sent to center our lives on Jesus. Next, Jesus came filled with grace and truth. That means that he was filled with undeserved and unearned favor for the people in his life. That he was showing favor to those who were downtrodden. He was showing undeserved, unearned favor to the sinner, to the person who is far from God. And so we are called to be on mission with Jesus. We are called to live our lives showing grace to others. But also Jesus was filled with truth. He had the boldness to speak the reality of how the world really works. And then he called people to live out of that reality. And so my friends, you and I are called to do the same. That means that we have favor towards others, but we also speak the truth in love. That means that sometimes that means we have to have difficult conversations with the people in our lives. That means we have to call them, compel them, exhort them, which literally means encouraging, right? Pushing them forward and rebuking them. That means pulling them back from the bad. To rebuke is to pull back from the bad. To exhort is to push people forward towards the good. And my friends, that is living in truth, in love. So Jesus always gave the truth in love, but he always gave grace as well. And this is how you and I are supposed to live and how we join God on his mission. My friends, we are called to be on mission where Jesus is. Jesus is in the world right now. He's working in the world around us. He wants to draw people into his kingdom. He wants to draw people into a new way of living. And you and I are ambassadors for the kingdom of God if we are followers of Jesus. Look with me at Henry Martin's quote. He was a missionary to India and Persia. And he said, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. My friends, you cannot be obedient to the great command of Jesus to be sent unless you join God on his mission. This is the call of every Christian, of every Christ follower. You are called to live your life, to embody the good news of Jesus to the people around you, to invite people into your life personally, incarnationally, God-centric, grace and truth-filled. We are called to join God's mission for the world. Now, Paul, now, this, now let's go back here to Titus. Joining God's mission is sending, going, and supporting. And Paul understood this idea of mission. He embodied this mission. He was all over the known world sharing the good news of Jesus with people that had never heard it. And he then instructs Titus on how to join God's mission and how to help the Cretan people join God's mission at the end of his letter. Look with me again at Titus 3, starting in verse 12. He says, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come with me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to send Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. So first, Paul is sending his best to Titus. This is this idea of sending and going as joining God on his mission. So Paul's not holding on to the people so that they can encourage Paul. 
while he's waiting to be imprisoned and waiting for his ultimate death. Remember, this is at the end of Paul's life. He is closing in on his death. He knows it. He knows he's going to be arrested again. He knows he's going to be tortured and killed. And instead of having his friends around him to support him, he's sending them back to Titus. He's sending them back out. And he's encouraging Titus to go as well. But he's going to send Artemis or Tychicus to Titus. And he's saying, I'm sending my best. He's sending his friends to help Titus. He's not being selfish. But Paul is an encouraging Titus to go and to help others go. Titus needs to see Paul. He says, hey, I need you to leave Crete for a time. I need you to come to Nicopolis where I'm going to spend the winter. I want to spend time with you. I want to disciple you. I want to counsel you and invest and pour more into you. And sometimes, my friends, we need to get into those types of relationships in our life. Sometimes we need to go visit friends who live a couple states over. Sometimes we need to do that to pour into them. And sometimes we need to go to certain people so that they can pour into us. But then he also says, Titus needs to go see Paul, but then Paul says, you need to send Zenos the lawyer and you need to send Apollos on a mission as well. He says, you need to make sure that you're going to send them on their way as missionaries. Now, my friends, what does this mean for redeeming hope? What does this mean for you and for me? My friends, we need to be a sending church and we need to be a going church. We need to be a sending church and a going church. My friends, we want to send missionaries primarily into Clarksville. Every week, you are sent, you are commissioned to go into Clarksville as a missionary. So who are your neighbors? Who are your friends? Who are your coworkers? And who is your family? How do you share the gospel with them? How do you draw them in? How do you invite them into your life? And as you are changed by Jesus, how do you help them be changed by Jesus? That's a real question. We need to ask that question. How do we help people experience what we are experiencing, right? That means that we actually have to be experiencing it. We have to be, on, we have to be abiding with Jesus, spending time with him, and then authentically sharing our lives with others. Now, my friends, how, do we are, how are we equipped to share the simple message of Jesus with our friends, neighbors, coworkers, and family in such a way as they respond to Jesus? They hear it, they believe it, and they obey it by making Jesus Lord over their life. Well, there's actually, our church has a really simple tool. It's called Three Circles. And you can go to ourhope.cc slash three, the number three, circles. You can go there, and it's a three-minute video Okay, and it's on how to share the simple message of Jesus and not get convoluted in the details, not have to worry about the validity of the Bible or all these other kind of deep esoteric questions. It's just the simple story of God and asking someone, do they choose to follow that or not? Do they, why not believe that, right? That's the question that you ask after you share these three circles. God created the world, good, true, and beautiful. It was broken in the fall and he wants to restore us by sending Jesus. It's really simple. And we actually teach you how to do this in our discipleship groups, in Gospel for Life. We teach you how to share your faith very simply, very clearly. That's how you live like a missionary. And then how do you help people find Jesus? That's one of the questions. But then how do you help people follow Jesus consistently? I'm so glad you asked. We have a very amazing tool called Three Questions Discipleship. And it's essentially, you can start a group. You can help people follow Jesus. We have a church-wide reading plan. 
We have three simple questions that we can ask. And we actually have a card that you can take with you wherever you go. You could start a discipleship group with anybody at any time, anywhere, if you, as long as you have a Bible and this card. So if you want more information about three questions or to know how to start a three questions group, this is how you help people follow Jesus over the next 30 years. You can do that. rhopecc slash 3Q. That's all you got to do. You can go there and it literally tells you how to start a group, how to read the Bible. It teaches you all of those things. And then it even gives you the Bible reading plan for this year that we are in. The card teaches you how to do all of that. My friends, here's the deal. You and I need to go. If this is real, if Jesus is really who he says he is, then he is the only answer to the world's problems. And it's our responsibility to share and act like this is real, not out of any sort of guilt or obligation, but simply because God has extended his grace to us. And now we get to reflect that grace to others by sharing with them about Jesus. So this is about our church needs to be ascending and going church, like Paul is encouraging Titus to both be ascending and a going church church in Crete. Now, not only that, but he's also calling them to be a supporting church. Look with me again at verse 13. It says, do your best to send Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. This is talking about finances. Paul is saying the local church is responsible to send missionaries to reach the unreached. He says, send Zenos and Apollos on their way. They needed to be sent on mission and Crete needed to provide for them financially. Even at the end of his life, look at this, this is so amazing. Paul's not asking them to give him money. He doesn't want a new G6. He doesn't want a Bentley. He doesn't want a Rolls. He doesn't want a 10,000 square foot house. Paul is thinking about how to encourage the local church to provide and then support missionaries to join God's mission. And my friends, just as he was encouraging Titus to do it in Crete, he's encouraging us to do it as well today. And I just want to be open with you about what we're doing as a church and why we need your partnership so that we can push money out the door and we can push missionaries out the door to go on mission for Jesus. So first off, 12% of every dollar that you give to our church goes to supporting church planting directly. So we, as a church, Redeeming Hope, and me personally for my salary, am supported by others supporting Rachel and I so that I have the freedom in my day to not have to worry about a normal job so that I can do this work of the gospel and planting this church. And so we want to embody this. We'll never ask you to do something that we're not willing to do as a church. And so we give 12% away directly to church planning. That's every single dollar that we give away goes directly to another church planner. There's no overhead. There's no administrative fees. We want to use wisely our money. And so we give that through organizations that take every cent of the, of the Every dollar that we give goes 100% directly to another church planter. Not only do we give 12% to church planting, but then additionally, we support two other missionaries that are global missionaries. So one of them is Andrew and Miranda Brothers. They're going into Poland. They moved to Poland two months ago. We've been supporting them for years as they've been raising support and getting trained and getting language. They're learning the language. And so they just got on the ground about a month and a half ago. And so they moved with their family. They have a new baby. And they're moving to 
plant churches in Poland, which is 98% unreached with, evangel- with, with evangelism and the gospel. So we, it's, it's less than 2% evangelical in the whole country. It's amazing. They're moving into an incredibly hard mission field and we are supporting them in that endeavor. Not only that, but we support another church planter and church equipper named Josh Freeman. He is in Togo, Africa. He's been living in Africa for years. He's been partnering with a team of people that are planting churches and making disciples using some very similar things that we do in Togo, Africa. And I actually went and visited them a month ago. I went on a missions trip to go teach a Bible college class and got a chance to see Josh in action on the ground. My friends, we are also called to support the missionaries here so that they can be free to do the work of the ministry. So we also want to encourage you to tithe so that eventually I can get my financial support from this local church so that we can then get paid to do more ministry, to send more missionaries out. Unapologetically, we want to encourage you to give so we can send more missionaries out internationally. We can send missionaries nationally and support church planting. And so that our local church can be self-sufficient and doesn't need outside funding to support the work of the ministry for redeeming hope. So we want to encourage you to tithe, be obedient to Jesus. Rachel and I do it. Our key leaders are required to do it. And our church, and our, then not only that, but then our church gives away that money. Our church tithes too. Let's do it together. When you give to Redeeming Hope, you're supporting this local ministry. You're supporting church planting nationally across the country. And then you're also supporting church planting overseas as well. My friends, here's another way that you can be involved. Real simple way. The second Wednesday of every month, we go to Summit Heights together as a church. We serve a meal. And now we just put on a financial class. Last night, when we, I'm recording this on a Thursday. Last night we were out. We did the first ever financial class at Summit Heights. We had some teenagers show up, some kids show up, some adults show up to learn about the basics of finances and budgeting. This is a real way to help our friends and neighbors who are less fortunate, who are living in subsidized housing, try to lift them out of poverty. My friends, we are called to be sent. And so we can do simple things like invite people to our house and share a meal with them. We can go to Summit Heights, serve a meal, and start teaching financial classes to help them. We can tithe. We can give to the local church, which then sends that money out. We can do all of these things because we are sent. We are called to be sent. Why? Because Christ was sent by God to us so we can send others. As God himself came to save us so that we can go and share the salvation of Jesus with others. And as Jesus became poor so that by his poverty we might become rich so we can recklessly, encouragingly give to others and give to the local church because we have been given everything by God himself. So my friends, the local church joining God's mission is sending, going, and supporting. And finally, We want to see fruitfulness abounds on mission. So as we join the mission of God, we are going to see fruitfulness in our own lives, in our own ministries, and we are going to leave a legacy of faithfulness. So look with me at the last two verses of Titus, Titus 3, 14 to 15. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you, Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. 
And, and see, this is in light of supporting Zenos and Apollos on their mission, Paul moves to instructions on now how the local church should operate. He says, tell them to devote themselves to good works. And this is in the context of supporting Zenos and Apollos financially. And he says, good works so as to help cases of urgent need. This means that people are to give to the local church so the local church has money to help others who are in need. Right now, we've got multiple meal trains going for people who are sick, people who are new to Clarksville, people who have extenuating circumstances in their life. We've got about, I think, I think we've taken over the past seven days, people in our church have taken, I think, about seven or eight meals to different people. That is people putting real money towards that, right? Like buying extra groceries, making food. This is the church being the church. Over the past seven days, our church has a benevolence fund. We have money set aside, not just to pay the rent at the YMCA and not just to send about 15% out the door towards other missionaries, but we also have money set aside just for people who are in need. And we've given people gas, over the past seven days, we've given people gas. We've helped someone pay a bill that they couldn't pay because of extenuating circumstances in their life. And so my friends, this is why we tithe, give. So the local church is independent, right? So it doesn't need outside funding. Because right now we are receiving that. But it's not just for that. It's also to support those who are in need. It's also to send missionaries. It's also to support missionaries. It's also to make sure that we can love and care and serve people in our city and to the world. We have a lot of work to do and this money is valuable and useful and it's a tool in God's hands. Not only that, but he says, devote themselves to good works so as to support others in urgent need. But he also says, and not be unfruitful. My friends, our goal should be fruitfulness in the local church, not just faithfulness. You see, I think a lot of times, especially in the conservative church context, people might go out and they maybe go knocking on doors or doing street ministry and, and they just say, well, I'm just being faithful and it's just really hard in this city or it's just really hard to share the gospel with others. My friends, faithfulness says, I'll do this no matter what, but fruitfulness says, I will do whatever produces lasting fruit for God's kingdom. That needs to be the goal. What is gonna produce lasting fruit for God's kingdom. And the question then must be, how are we fruitful, right? What does it look like to be fruitful and how are we fruitful? My friends, the number one way that the church is going to be fruitful is if we spend time abiding with Jesus personally. This is why as number one thing I want you to do is read the Bible consistently and pray and spend time with Jesus at least three times a week. Three times a week, 15 minutes, and oh my gosh, you're gonna see your life change. You're going to see your attitude change and you're going to see fruitfulness in your life. Look with me at John 15. Jesus is saying these words. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. My friends, intimacy with Christ results in fruitfulness. Abiding with him, spending time with him means that you will produce fruit and that fruit will remain. It will be a natural overflow. It's just like a branch that's connected with the tree cannot help but bear fruit, right? It does it passively. The activity is to receive nutrients from the tree. That's the active work of the branch is to receive 
the sap from the tree. The passive work of the branch is to create the fruit. It just happens. It's the same thing in your guys' life. You and I are actively, we spend time with Christ. As we spend time with him, we walk in obedience to him. Passively, we will see fruit in our life. Passively, we will be drawn to support missionaries in the local church. Passively, we will be drawn to sacrifice our time and our comfort for the gospel. Intimacy with Christ results in fruitfulness. Fruitfulness results in lasting missionary work. It results in legacy. My friends, the last words of Paul are grace be with you all. And my friends, all of this is in light of God's undeserved, unearned favor for you and me. God's grace is on us. God's grace is with us as we are partnering with him on his mission. And God's grace is what drives us to be on mission. Look with me at this quote from Leslie Newbegin. It says, mission begins with a kind of explosion of joy. The news that the rejected and crucified Jesus is alive is something that cannot possibly be suppressed. It must be told. Who could be silent about such a fact? The mission of the church in the pages of the New Testament is like the fallout from a vast explosion, a radioactive fallout, which is not lethal, but life-giving. This is what it looks like, explosion of joy as you follow Jesus. And then out of that will produce fruit. And out of that fruit will give birth to legacy. It will give birth to meaning in your life. So if you're joining us today and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, you look over the course of your life and you haven't put a stake in the ground yet, my friends, you can have purpose, meaning, and legacy outside of yourself. You must believe that Jesus was sent for you and that you need his grace in order to be, have access to God and to be on mission with him. And if you believe that, that's what makes you a Christian. If you submit to him, submit to his lordship in your life, you hear that you have a need and only that need can be set, made right with Christ. You believe that Jesus has done the work for you to get you back to God. And then you obey and you make Jesus Lord over your life. That's what makes you a Christian, following Jesus. And then that gives your life legacy and purpose. Now, if you look over the course of your life and you are a follower of Jesus, my friends, it is easy to be distracted. Your home life, your work life, your kids, your relationships, all of that, all the stuff of life can distract us from our main purpose of abiding with Jesus, producing fruitfulness and joining him on his mission. But there's something so much better for you than those things because you can join God's mission by going, by living your life a certain way. You join God's mission by sending others and giving to the local church and to mission. And then you join God's mission by fruitfulness in abiding with him. And if you do these things, my friends, you will leave a legacy that extends far beyond you. Now, I want to talk for a second about a thousand years from now. I want to talk for a second about what is your life going to look like 1,000 years from now? Now, a thousand years from now, you're going to be dead. You're not going to be alive, but you will be alive because your soul never dies. Okay? So your physical body is going to be dead. But a thousand years from now, I want you to think about where you are and what you want remembered about you 1,000 years from today. Hopefully, you will be in heaven. Hopefully, you'll be with Jesus. And my question to you is, what if no one remembered your name, but through your faithfulness and your fruitfulness, you changed the trajectory of people's lives that ended up changing the course of human history? 
What if people are in heaven a thousand years from now because of your faithfulness to Jesus today? As you read, as you pray, as you spend time with Jesus, you will naturally flow out his grace in your life. As you sacrifice a night a week to invite people to your house, as you sacrifice time to support the local church, as you sacrifice your money to support the local church, what if all of those things were building a legacy that would extend far beyond you? that a thousand years from now, people would be in heaven because of your faithfulness. A thousand years from now, people will be walking the streets with Jesus because you were faithful to do the things that God asked you to do and you were producing fruit. Why? Because you were abiding with Jesus. You're spending time with him and then you're living your life with open hands saying, my life is not my own, it is God's. Do with me what you will. Isn't that a vision worth dying for? But my friends, more importantly, isn't that a vision worth living for? Today, right now, faithfully following Jesus, following him on mission, living your life, seeing everything that you have as simply God giving things to you so that you can steward them to leave a legacy where a thousand years from now, your life will have ripples into eternity. Thank you for listening. We gather every Sunday at the Clarksville area YMCA. For more information, please go to our website at redeeminghope.org.